0: Time to the front. Excuse me, what's the good? 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 What's the good?
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to episode 245 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. We're joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in
0: Seattle, Washington. How's it going?
1: Yeah. So we have some fact check from last week. Um, I was talking about our privacy commissioner. I thought it was a lady at the time. It was Jennifer Stoddard up until 2013. So she was in the role for 10 years, and there was an interim intermediate person for a while for about six months, and then a Daniel Therian. It has been our privacy commissioner since 2014, and I mentioned um, the uh, the gentleman who uh, lost some money through transactions with the um, McDonald's app last week. And uh, I mentioned uh, about insurance, but the, we have a Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation that insures your savings account or say your bank, your ba- bank balances, and that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure what happens in the case of fraudulent uh, purchases. I suppose house insurance or apartment insurance would cover that kind of thing. So. Is that you guys have something like that in the states for? Yeah, we have a similar
2: thing called the FDIC, Federal Mm -hmm. Deposit Insurance Corporation, and uh, it absolutely does not cover fraudulent purchases. It basically only covers you if your bank goes under.
0: Yeah, and for credit unions, there's NCUA, the National Credit Union Association or or agency, something of that nature, Um, Mm -hmm. and they cover the same sorts of things the FDIC covers, but for credit unions and and non-banks. And as Mark stated, it's meant more for um, it's a wonderful lifestyle. Runs on the bank and nuts or or bank. Mm -hmm going under and not like, hey, somebody jipped me at Best Buy sort of thing.
1: Right, right, right. Okay. I mean, do we have any ask tJC
0: We have a few. One you tagged this follow-up. Looks like it's a tweet from Chris Adamson. It says, whoa, just had my biennial kernel panic. And he's talking about macOS here, where biennial equals half a year, semi-annual is two uh, year, and biannual equals nobody can agree, so never use this word. <laughs> you have some flavor to add on this one? Like, do you, do you have uh, kernel panics a lot? I, I don't know what this is what this is in reference to, you you, you tagged it as.
1: Oh, and t- I think once when Greg was on the show, we were talking about whether something is like because he likes to buy centennial, biannual, all those kind of things, but biennial is what he's talking about. I guess once every half year, right? Yeah. Uh, biannual, okay, which it. is every two years. That's what that follow up was re- referencing.
0: Okay. Next one is from Paul Wilkinson. Uh, he says uh, it seems that having a current NS user activity is all that is required for remind me about this to work. It works for one of my apps that was already exposing an NS user activity and this is in reference to my uh, discussion last time about the app I think it was my pick of the week if I'm not mistaken the Apple support tweet that said oh you can have Siri remind you about stuff and I was trying to reverse engineer like how does this work uh, just from like a user standpoint like like without digging into code can we figure out what this is and independently uh, but thank you for, Paul for, for bringing this up um co-worker and I looked through it and're like oh we think it is NS user activity because we were able to reproduce the same sort of thing so that's actually pretty cool tech cool all right the last one is from uh, Friend of the show, sometimes former co-host, and now produce enthusiast, uh, Greg Heo, who says, there is indeed a, I think this is Boston to Honolulu, nonstop flight, the longest U.S. domestic flight. So we were talking about your, your trip to, to Hawaii and what was and wasn't possible. I, I think we said New York was, was possible. I didn't realize that Boston was available as well.
1: All right. So moving on, um, you have some follow-up I me?
0: Yeah, mine is uh, one that was sort of uh, near and dear to my heart because I somehow saw this um, wall plug adapter recall program. And it's specifically for the three prong style that you would see for the UK style of uh, adapter. And uh, apparently there are affected ones that have a all white color. And then there are non-effective ones that have a sort of little gray part for the piece that slides into your, your, um, your adapter or or the adapter slides into the, what is the proper term? The big part (laughs) of the battery, the power supply piece, right? I'm I'm struggling here to describe it as but you know what it is. Transformer. Thank you. Transformer piece. And uh, yeah, I think people should to take a look at that. Of course, I immediately went to go check mine out because I did have one of those. I bought the world adapter, uh, you know, with like all the fancy little adapter ones because I knew it was going to be traveling around this year. And mine are safe and I hope yours are too. The
1: picture here, I just want to have a look, look at it real quick. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, to check and see. So these, these are like wall adapters or?
0: Yeah. You know how the transformer piece lets you slide out yeah, okay. the normal piece and normally you attach the long piece. Plug. If you wanted to get the extender cable, um, you can also use that same technique to swap in and out. Like, uh, I don't think there's any difference between American and Canadian plugs, um, but there is for the UK, the EU, uh, South Korea, Brazil.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some travel, um, you go travel kits, I guess for like you know Apple, Apple, make a travel kit for if you're traveling around Europe or what have you. I've oh, got a couple of those. I might have to check those. All right, cool. All right, um, this is my link here from uh, Bill Schiller, cracking down on um, apps. That monitor screen time of users. I guess uh, I think Apple, Apple, similar to Apple screen time thing. I think they're talking about apps that keep track of um, uses usages of of um, apps. And I think that uh, I think it's against one of the rules of Apple, if I'm not mistaken. And because uh, people are using um, mobile device management kind of technology that's normally reserved for enterprise level kind of um, apps, uh, people are using it for nefarious for purposes like you know keeping um you know keeping track of what their their significant others are doing with their devices you know tracking them for that kind of stuff you know, as well as you know maybe parental controls but against Apple's rules and so I think they're removing the apps from the App Store I think it was posted by Chris Wagner a friend of mine on uh, Twitter brought my attention to this one
0: Yeah I saw this and I think if it was rephrased as Apple is removing apps that use MDM misuse MDM profiles the, the same exact way that we all got very angry at Facebook and Google for doing I think mm-hmm you'd mm-hmm. see a whole lot of commentary on the interwebs that would be very, very different. So far, people have been sort of angry of like, oh, well, it's, it, they're, they're doing it because, of course, Apple wants you to just, like use your devices as much as possible. I'm like, well, they offer their own screen time feature for free mm-hmm. in iOS. So, I mean, clearly that was not the driving factor. And, or, oh, ha ha, see, it, it's anti-competitive. They don't want people to compete. It's like, dude, they offer it for free. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a basic part. They're yeah. not like, oh, man, like, you know, if you get Apple uh, Kids Plus for nine ninety nine a month, you you can you know protect your kids like it's not like a, a business play either i don't know why apple hadn't cracked down on this before um i'm sure there might be tons of reasons including like it just wasn't top of mind but i think it uh we, we're not talking letter of the law here right this isn't like uh, a, a legal thing this is apple's rule say you can't use mdm profiles for this sort of thing and clearly this company was not acting as an enterprise with parents as their employees and so there's the brakes and they removed it if they killed that business i mean it really sucks for them but i don't think what was being done even if it was in uh with the best intentions it was very clearly against the uh, the rules and guidelines
1: right right
2: and i think a lot of the controversy was caused by the fact that it looked like apple was cracking down on parental control apps when that probably wasn't really the case it just
0: just kind of seemed that way to, to uh, depending on how you looked at it right right the, the portrayal of it in the news is what gets people considering it in a different light
1: Oh, me again, kids. Oh, this is a, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, it again comes down to parental controls. And, uh, this one is, uh, uh interesting. If you are a parent and at, I don't know if this bug has been fixed or not, but this person, Matthew Green, is bringing attention to it that you can set a restriction on your child, your children's use of phone or whoever you're doing parental control over, um, to say you, you can't use your phone after 8 p.m., you know, this evening kind of thing, right? So they can focus on their schoolwork or whatever. But uh, children are sending texts to their parents in the future because they they figured out that if you go and set the clock forward uh, to tomorrow, for instance, to a, a period when you are allowed to use the phone, apparently you can continue to use the phone. So uh, there's some exa- interesting examples here of, of uh, texts from, you know, kids to their parents, you know, saying, um, you know, can I do this or can I do that? Basically, but it's a, a tweet coming from a future. It actually says tomorrow as in the relative time stamp, right?
2: Kids are pretty smart.
0: They are. Nature stuff. finds a way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep right so i'm here how many of the next one
0: yeah so the fine people over at mac rumors have found a new support document from apple stating that it's a uh, legacy photo editing app or suite aperture will not run in future versions of mac os after mojave uh, oh, really? this really should not come as a surprise as this uh, little blog post notes apple has not developed anything new for aperture since june of 2014 and actually removed the software from the mac app store in april of 2015 so they kind of need you to move over to uh, the Photos app, or even an alternative like Adobe Lightroom, but uh, it, I think as part of the, uh, as I mentioned here, as part of the transition from 34, sorry, 32 bit to 64 bit, mm-hmm. uh, I think we will see more of this. I, I get bugged at random parts of my day by stuff saying, "Hey, did you know this app is not 32, or so is uh, not compatible, or is slowing down your, or whatever it is that, that Mac OS gives you as a scary warning." So yeah, I'm, I get that
2: a lot too. Saying this app won't be available in future versions. Get that at least a couple times a week now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tim, any any parting thoughts for you? Uh, An
1: Aperture user? Uh, I haven't really used Aperture in a while, but uh, hmm, it's been years since I used Aperture, to be honest with you. Would you say
0: somewhere in the 2014 to 2015 range?
1: No, I don't think I've used it in many years, many moons. That's too bad. All right. Um, So uh, this is under our new WTF, WTFU this time, um, because, yeah, we got some more uh, tokens uh, and breaches happening this time with Docker Hub, which I think a lot of uh, developers have moved towards using. It's, you know, the package packaged up um, environments that you can set up really easily to install softwares onto your servers and, you know, Macs and Windows machines and stuff like that. So this is this is a, a sad, uh, sad state.
2: Yeah, this is kind of a big one.
1: Yeah, like, you know, companies like, I believe there was, um, Atlassian uses it, um, PayPal, um, Splunk uh, uses it as well. So, and I saw Slack in here too.
0: Yeah, my understanding is it was super crazy that, like, if anyone in your entire organization had this set up, then your entire organization was vulnerable, which was bananas. It meant in my mind, if you're you know, a large enough company where you can't just go around and check with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, as like large corporations, for example, you pretty much had to assume that you were compromised and deal with it that, as if it was a, a breach. Mm-hmm. Meaning it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, Bobby's account is, is compromised. Oh, whatever. We'll kill his account and create a new one. It's like, no, no, no. This is far more serious than that. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, uh, it's um, again, the, the the underplaying of, of was the significance by saying it only exposed 190,000 users. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, yeah, I think
2: that, that underestimates the impact of, of users because those, those 190,000 users are probably admins for larger companies that impact sure. yeah.
1: much larger numbers of people. Right. Yeah. Right. Never a good thing. All right. So yeah, Mark, you have, uh, you want to talk about the earnings?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Apple announced their earnings, uh, this week, um, as they do at this time of year. And, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a, uneventful one especially compared to last time uh, mm-hmm. they were expected to have revenue between 55 billion and 59 billion and they came in at 58 billion which is you know the high end of the expected range which you know Wall Street is usually really happy about uh, it's down a little bit from this quarter last year it was 61.1 billion last year uh, and it was mostly due to uh, reduced iPhone sales once again um, but uh, but this time you know everyone pretty much expected it so Wall Street uh, didn't have a negative reaction in fact they had kind of a positive reaction, uh, probably because Apple also announced another stock buyback, seventy-five billion dollars stock buyback, uh, and raising the dividend five percent. Uh, so the stock actually went up pretty significantly the day after the announcement, uh, up to from up from around I think it was around two hundred or so before the announcement to uh, a little over. Well, it, it peaked at over two ten and ended up closing, I think, at around uh, around two ten that day. It's down a little bit again today, but uh, but yeah in General Wall Street's fairly happy with the announcement. Um, they broke down the revenue into 31 billion iPhone, 11 and services, five and a half billion Mac, five and 5.1 billion wearables, home and accessories, and 4.87 billion iPad. Kind of interesting that uh wearables is and home is actually bigger than the iPad and almost as big as the Mac these days. Uh, although uh, iPhone's still definitely a big leader, uh, but services is uh, sort of a healthy number two at this point. So it kind of feels like things are sort of back on track for Apple after the hiccup that we had at the end of uh, Q1, though. Good news.
1: Yeah, I was reading somewhere, I, I thought I'd put a link in here about um, that uh, um, yeah people are pretty pretty positive about Apple and, and the fact that they they're seem to be pivoting towards services as opposed to selling devices, per se, right? Um, but it's, it's a good, good, I think, a good thing that uh, that people are sort of seeing beyond the how many you know, whiz-bang phones have you created in the last little quarter uh, to moving towards more solid thing, right?
2: Right. Well, that is absolutely true. Uh, to put it in perspective though, the total hardware sales are so 31 for the phone plus five and a half for the Mac, that's 36 and a half, another five for wearables. That's uh, 41 and a half, another roughly five, for the iPad that's 40, 46 and a half. So, you know, between 46 and 47 billion on hardware versus 11 and a half billion on services. So sure. Hardware is still king at Apple, uh, but yeah, yeah. services is, is growing for sure.
1: Well, I mean, if you, even if you take the iPhone out of it, you, like, you just said 45, 46 million or billion. Um, you know, one-third of that is, is devices other than phones, right? That's iPads, right. wearables, and, and Macs, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good good thing. I mean, I mean, you, you, you certainly don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, as we all know, right? For sure, yeah. Oh, and they mentioned the PowerBeats Pro, too, here.
2: <laughs> and, I mean, When the home when the HomePod 2 comes out, it's going to blow off the roofs, right?
0: Yeah, really. I, <laughs> Apple will be the first $2 trillion company, clearly, with HomePod 2. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just based on those sales alone. Surprising not, or not, or sorry, the home accessories, I guess that's right. Right. Home and accessories. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. And uh, what's next? Oh, yeah. So this is an interesting piece. I, I found this, I, was, I mentioned a bit of this on on the, on SpotCast as well, but I was reading this article from um, Glasgow, from the University of Glasgow, a study that was done, and it, it goes back a few years, but it was reported just recently on the cost of digital music, um, relatively speaking. Um, you know, you would think that, you know, now that we're we're no longer producing vinyl or or cassette tapes or or even phonographs. Um, comparing the, the the amount of um, um, money that's that's being spent by people from all the way going back to 1907 for the original uh, phonograph kind of things to you know the 70s for or, for uh, LPs and the 80s for and um, cassette tapes and then the 2000s for or, or whatever you say that 2000s for CDs. Um, now that we're into digital digital downloads, the cost of Having servers, servers to you know to house these digital da- digital files, and the amount of money we're paying on bandwidth, um, it is comparable, and it's quite. A, if you when they did was they converted the money to today's monies, um, it's still quite significant in terms of what it costs for uh, digital downloads. Um, and a, a piece that I pulled out of this, which is kind of interesting too, is that um, the the price point of nine dollars and ninety nine cents um, is represents roughly or approximately one percent of the current Average weekly salary in the United States. Um, you know, we've sort of talked about why Apple is nine ninety nine and why Spotify is nine ninety nine, and you know, Amazon. It'll kind of. Th- how did they come up with that number? It's interesting that it's a one percent, one percent of uh, the average income, right? Which isn't the, the true for everybody in the United States, right? But uh, interesting well, to look at why it's the average. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah, we talked about average me last week, right? Yeah,
2: I, I was actually pretty surprised to read read about the environmental costs, actually. But I guess it makes sense. For think about it because uh, if you if you bought a vinyl record yes there was there was an impact from making the the record making the vinyl but you just bought that record once and you kept it for a few years or whatever uh, whereas if you're if you're streaming music uh, those those servers are going all the time and you're you know generating like electric, the electricity needs to be generated to run them and, and and to run the networks and all that kind of stuff so I guess over time uh, it, it makes sense that uh, that the environmental impact would be bigger although I wonder how they how they calculate the amortization over all of the usage of those servers and networks, right? Because you're not, people aren't only using those servers and networks for streaming music, they're using them for many other things too. Right. So, so it'd be interesting to see how they do that calculation.
1: And and, I I think too, it sort of says in this that they're sort of basing these on 2013 numbers. So they're like, you know, five, six years Mm -hmm. behind where we are today, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of the the numbers they're working with. It was interesting, interesting to look at that in terms of, I mean, guess you, you, like I said, you know, I guess your brain would think that uh, it's digital. How can it? How could it have a cost? But you know, when you think about the infrastructure that supports it, right? Make those things accessible all the time. You know, you don't, you don't carry around your 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 record collection with you wherever you go, sort of thing. Right? You don't. Have, yeah. Sorry. You don't. N- no,
0: I don't. No. no. <laughs> Big old two hundred disc changer in the back of the truck.
1: Yeah. Well, I do know. I do know one individual who used to carry around four or five iPods at a time because he had a huge record collection. Mm. But yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um. Yeah, and then uh, so. The piece I put here was that Apple has accidentally introduced a radical new phone. Uh, this was linked out. Um, yeah, and of course they're saying that Apple's notorious for being uh, secretive about it. But this is a, a new... We've talked about this before on the show is like, how is it possible to do Touch ID through uh, something like an OLED screen and that kind of thing, right? And I think what's different here between Apple's offering, and there are technologies I guess on the Android side that, that do uh, like the Galaxy S10 has an ultrasonic reader. Uh, the in and Apple's patent is that they've um, claimed that they can do it at any, basically read your your fingerprint through any part of the screen. So um, new sort of Touch ID thing, which is interesting. Again, when we've been talking about going to Face ID and all that kind of stuff, or maybe Face ID was a workaround till this technology could could hit the uh, hit the streets. Well, um,
2: so I, I would just caution yeah. anyone reading this that uh, the headline is a little bit clickbaity because this it, it did not actually this was not a leak about a new. Phone. Phone, an existing phone. This was just a patent application that Apple made, which may or may not mean that Apple will ever use uh, this technology for anything. So patents, when you write a patent, uh, it takes a long time to write it. So this might have been something they were thinking about a few years back, and they filed the application, and it just finally got granted. Uh, and they may not actually use it because maybe they decided Face ID is better. Uh, also, a lot of times, uh, companies will will file patents defensively uh, just to prevent somebody else from using the technology. As opposed to them actually wanting to use the technology themselves. So, so if you know if Apple had been working on this and knew that Samsung was was thinking about doing something in that area too, they might patent it just to keep Samsung from being able to do that.
1: Right, right, true.
2: So just because it's a patent application doesn't necessarily mean that it's ever going to show up in a real device, but you never know. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Well, Yeah, that's was a good point. Um, that uh, that can be the case. Yeah. yeah so this is a, what I was sort of talking about just a few minutes ago. With uh, this came from Apple News. Um, I'll have to get a link. For for people who aren't using Apple News, but uh, yeah, interesting series of charts. So that we talk about them a bit um, about how uh, services are are succeeding, um, you know. And as we talked as we talked about just a few minutes ago in in the uh, the quarterly review results, um, that you know, even though the and these these charts here in this night, there's just nine charts in this article. They talk about um, you know showing how the the charts sort of uh, lay out how services are doing much better. Uh, the phone didn't quite do as well as in terms of sales, but like we just said, uh, that didn't seem to be a problem for Wall Street, so why should it be a problem for anybody else? Um, yeah, so it's interesting how these, these charts all sort of have little sort of clickbaity type uh, headlines, right?
2: Yeah, well, it is Business Insider. That's that's what they do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, the Fox News of Tech. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But if you have any comments on some of these charts that we're looking here. You know, China continues to be a weak spot, which we kind of knew, and that's kind of a clickbaity title. Um, Apple's spending money on research and development continues to increase. There's, how could that be a surprise? It's not even new. Is right? Apple's uh, raison d'etre is, is r and
0: I definitely like the understatement here regarding services and its relationship to iPhone. Um, there is some skepticism on Wall Street that the services business will ever be able to offset the decline in the iPhone business, but Apple showed some progress in fiscal Q2. Services revenue increased 16% year-over-year to 11500000000 billion. Let's parse through that. I think the most important thing there is services revenue increased 16% year-over-year, and we're talking in the range of billions of dollars. That sounds like really good good and if your business if you're listening out there increased by 16% I think you'd be very happy yeah for sure yeah, yeah. A, a segment of your business in this case
1: well yeah I mean that's just, that's the point too is I think that uh, the the services alone is successful enough for most companies right like you know it's almost like a fortune 200 company or whatever I saw some stuff like that
0: yeah and this is pre-launch of you know all the plus related services yeah. that we talked about earlier this year so I definitely watch this one and for developers I definitely say for WWDC pay attention to anything that even vaguely has to do with going into a virtuous cycle, virtuous circle sort of thing with yeah. um, anything that Apple wants to put all its money into.
2: So so it was, it was 11 billion this quarter. And so, extrapolated out, that's probably 40 to 50 billion for the year. That's pretty good business.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They must be really, really worried over there, Apple. Yeah. And again, Business Insider, right? Writing these headlines.
0: Well, everybody's got their take on it, right? It's uh, remember for how long people were like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. Apple is just the iPhone company. Well, won't they find something to offset? They're 100% dependence on iPhone. And now that they are going through that transition, it's like, holy smokes, can you believe it? iPhone is dipping as an important part. iPhone, I'm like, but isn't this what you wanted? I thought you wanted them to diversify. Yeah. For services revenue, mind you. Things you just, like, even if you forget, you keep paying for. That's easy money right there. That's great money. So everybody's moving subscriptions. Right. <laughs> China is interesting because I do know that Apple looks, um, when people have done analysis, and they say, well, if you removed China from the equation, what does Apple look like? And they look a lot better. So clearly they have to try to overcome some of the struggles there. Uh, granted, it is sort of depressed overall in China because they are having some economic issues. Uh, the the massive growth is not happening anymore over there. So Apple's mm-hmm. not unique in that circumstance, but they are also sitting in the premium space where, I mean, surprise, surprise, people are in economic uncertainty and they start restricting their premium purchases. That just sort of makes sense to me. All
1: right, party, party thoughts on this? Apple's doomed as usual. As long as the
2: stock keeps going up, Apple can keep being doomed as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it Went up on uh, you know on all this quarterly news was interesting to me because it doesn't often go up. It usually goes down, and usually we've, we've said that people have already priced into you know uh, whether it's alleged insider trading or uh, people just feeling like all right, I think I already know the news. You know, yeah. Well, I, I think it's hundred percent
2: attributable to the stock purchase buyback and and, uh, and dividend raise. Hundred percent due to that. So if if App, so if uh, if people if, if Apple buys back shares, there's a certain number of shares out on the market, and the total value of the company, which is called the market capitalization, is the share price per share multiplied by the total number of shares on the market. So if the number of shares were to go down for whatever reason, then the value of the company doesn't change. So the price per share should go up. So when Apple buys back shares, and this is why companies do this, when when they buy back their own shares, they take them off the market, their market cap stays the same, and the stock price goes up. So when a company does that, investors like to get in on that because they know if they buy now when apple starts buying back the shares the stock should go up more more than it would just based on organic business Uh, also the dividend apple pays a dividend every quarter which which basically means that if you're a shareholder uh apple just gives you a certain amount of money per share uh right now it's i think it's around one and a half percent so and they said it went up by five percent on top of the one and a half percent so it's going to be like what's what's five percent of one and a half percent whatever that is so it'll be 1.5 something uh so it's a little bit a little bit extra money so for every Share you own, you're getting a little bit more money back than you would have normally. So again, it's another incentive to buy. So so uh, both of those things together, it's a, it's a pretty good incentive to uh, investors, especially uh, institutional investors who buy huge numbers of these shares uh, to buy the stock and keep stock hands. So that's that's why stock went up, I think.
0: Interesting. I wonder if people are looking at that as a are they looking at it as just a way to make make a quick buck, or do they see it as a way to get a little bit of um, more certainty around things? Like, I'm, yeah. I guess what I'm asking is, is it is it the buyback in the short term that they're really, uh, like if you had to weigh it, you know, percentage-wise that's really heavily driving it or is it that larger dividend?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, probably a little of both and it depends on the type of investor you are. There are certainly certainly people who are just in it for the quick buck, for sure. Uh, if you're a long-term investor, you probably wait want wa- wait, to wait on the dividend and get the dividend. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a plus and minus thing because in, in some ways it's actually seen as a negative In some ways, for the company, uh, because the implication is that the company doesn't have anything better to do with the money, uh, so they're not reinvesting the money back into the company; they're just giving it back to the shareholders. So, so it it, it can it it can be interpreted as negative for the business in the long term, uh, although it's very positive for the stock, certainly in the short term. Uh, But not everybody sees it that way. And and so, sorry. So that's the stock buyback for sure. The dividend, the reason. The dividend is is usually considered a pretty positive thing. It's because it's basically saying the, the company's basically saying, look, we we have enough confidence in the, the future performance of the company that we can justify returning this amount of money back to the shareholders. And you know nobody wants to see the dividend go up one quarter and then go down the next quarter because it's not sustainable. So by raising the dividend, they're they're implying uh, without coming right out and saying it, but fairly strongly implying that they think that business is going to be good for this for the long term future. And they can sustain that dividend long term. So yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's kind of a glass half full, glass half empty way of looking at it, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, but uh, but to answer your original question, I think it's a mixture of both
0: short term and long term. Cool. Thanks for an explanation. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I guess we'll move on to our picks. Jaime, um, do you have a pick? I have a couple. Um, you know, I feel like this first one is really timely because there's a lot of people very upset in the uh, in the podcastosphere, if we might call it that, mm-hmm. about a company called – I want to say it's called Luminary, um, but there's a, there's another one very much like them. They're trying to take podcasting in sort of a different direction and using more of a, an exclusives sort of thing where you, you sign up for their service and you get access to, you know, some well-known podcasters' sets of, uh, of content um, and also trying to bootstrap themselves by – also ingesting in the normal RSS feeds that you would get out of something like uh, the iTunes directory or even like our very podcast, right? We have our own RSS feed. And for all I know, maybe we're in Luminary because we're not the New York Times. So we can't (laughs) very well go over there and say, hey, take us out of your directory if we were even uh, inclined to do that. So that's a very long winded way of saying that um, this clip sharing feature in the latest version of Overcast um, seems pretty well timed, in my opinion, because this is kind of a neat way to very And easily share small clips of, uh, like, maybe your favorite clip of a show with other people in places like um, whatever your favorite social media is, or you can even just email or iMessage these little audio files. Uh, it seems pretty well done. I've, I've tried it out to see how it works. It seems reasonably intuitive. Uh, there are options for uh, do you want to even show like overcast badging on it? Um, it even mentions like other uh, competitive type stuff like Castro and Pocket Casts and Apple Podcasts. And I just thought it was pretty neat. And I think I'd like to turn it on to the uh, you know turn this back to the listeners and say hey you know hit us up with hashtag ask mtjc what's your favorite clip um that you've ever heard from this show or even a, a fairly recent episode and share that with us and i'd be very curious to see what people pick
1: but how does this clip i, I heard, saw, saw tweets about this but haven't really played with it yet how does the clipping work
0: um like from a technical standpoint or more of like a user standpoint user, I, yeah user, user oh i see yeah, yeah so you yeah, hit the, the little section. sharing uh, icon when you're looking at an episode okay uh, yeah and you have the option to share a normal link which i think takes you to like over cast um, the web player or or possibly even has like a deep link to the native app assuming you're using that. But yep. what's neat is to do the uh, just share the clip so that um, you know you could take the uh, I think it's up to s- Thirty seconds. I didn't actually look at the limit. It's not like you could mm. share the entire episode as a clip. Like that'd be silly. It's intended for like short snippets. Like you can imagine this being the rough equivalent of like the very short videos. Oh, oh like the Oreo video for for the Game of Thrones Oreos that that uh, the official Oreo Twitter handle tweeted out. Right. Uh, think of it at that level. Little small digestible nuggets. Uh, maybe like uh, some of our stingers that we've had on our shows. I could imagine would be really good content for this sort of thing. Uh, maybe some really hilarious quote. I could even see people you know hanging on to like news of some sort depending on on what you're like oh somebody said this statement i need to remember this share a clip with myself so i don't have to go back or write down a time code or anything
1: right 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 and then you can ask siri remind you of it So yeah, I guess we throw a challenge to our to our our fans and listeners to say uh, you know send us your clips of your favorite pieces of the show that you've heard over the, over the years. Right next uh, pick, I mean.
0: yeah, the next one is actually my own tweet. It was a uh, a survey, a Twitter poll I did, um, and I'll explain some of the context. But the poll itself was mixing Swift and Kotlin in the same project should be called, and I gave three options: uh, Swatlin, Kift, or most ambitious crossover because the most ambitious crossover ever did not fit in the 25 character limits that twitter gives you uh and the winner uh by a pretty long shot was uh was swatlin as the mixing I like area. swillin though for yeah <laughs> so uh uh i don't know if she's a friend of the show i don't know if she listens to the show but certainly a friend of mine liz marley said swillin uh my colleague said or d y other colleagues said uh Cotif, like a motif of cross-platform efforts other coworkers said trouble uh somebody else said switlin of uh, vladimir Vaslov, uh produce enthusiast Greg Hio says uh coiffed, pronounced coiffed, like as in like you mm-hmm. know, coifing your hair sort of thing. Um uh- logo is a swift bird with good hair other people said uh pineapple and pizza top 10 anime crossovers or possibly coughed or uh quitlin was the most recent one that i saw right nice. and the the context for this uh this little survey was um uh, one of my colleagues and i talking to work from the android side talking about hey uh what if we were to mix kotlin and swift in the same project because there is a capability for kotlin to do this sort of cool stuff where you can define uh like libraries that have sort of a common interface Face that underneath the covers goes out to kotlin if you're on the android side and underneath the covers calls out to swift and can interact with swift on the ios side and we thought of this as like a really cool sort of uh, hack week idea that we want to do probably in a couple weeks to try out like what would this really mean like what are the capabilities here i think with an idea towards well what if we could have shared business logic in this library that we then implement just once or at least consistently right so we're not like oh man dang it i didn't realize. That Android is doing this, now I got to go change this on iOS. It's like, well, it's right there, side by side. You can see that the implementation is the same, get some consistency there. I have no idea if this is going to be a great idea or a terrible, terrible, horrible idea. But as I tweeted out in response to one of my coworkers, the uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, as Dr. Ian Malcolm saying, uh, Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Right. <laughs> and that's definitely the spirit that we're going with on this one. <laughs>
1: well, I think it was is going with the pineapple pea. Maybe he's not a fan of that, right?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent about uh, pineapple pizza myself. <laughs> I
1: always think of it as dessert on pizza at the same time. All right. You just spent too much time in Hawaii, Tim. Yeah, no. It, uh, Hawaiian pizza, as they call it, you know, pi- uh, pineapple pizza, is a, a Canadian invention, actually. Is that true? So it's true. Yeah, we'll get you the name of the guy who invented it, I think. No, I'm drawing a blank on who invented it. But yeah, it's definitely a Canadian thing.
0: Um, really? So uh, <laughs> that's a real sideways thing, but... Um, we have pizzas with Canadian bacon on them. And I'm thinking, what do they call right. Canadian bacon in Canada? I'm sure I could Google this, but i do they just call it bacon? We call it back bacon, back bacon, as opposed to normal bacon. Do, do you yeah. call it American bacon? Our style? No, bacon?
1: just bacon, just bacon. And back, we call back bacon, the, you know, the, the thick sort of
0: looks like a little shoulder of pork kind of thing. Yeah. back bacon. And it's
1: got um, cornmeal on the outside, right?
0: You guys get it like that? No, this is more like, like a really thick cut of, of bacon or kind of yeah. like it looks like a cut of ham.
1: Yeah. And it, doesn't it? Doesn't it's not riddled with uh, or rifled with uh, with uh, fat as like regular base, regular smoked hickory bacon is right. But but they roll it in cornmeal, so it gets like a cornmeal trim on the edge of it, right? A little bit of
0: fat around the outside. Hmm, I never noticed that. I'll have to look the next time I get yeah the, I've never uh, noticed that either. It's, it's it comes across more like just a slice of ham.
1: Yeah, but we call it back bacon up here. Mm. But we know what, we know of it as Canadian bacon. We call it back bacon though. I'm just looking at Hawaiian pizza. Hang on one second.
2: Sam Panopoulos, Canadian inventor of Hawaiian pizza.
0: Yeah. But what's? I think he's from um, one of our chains up here. So, did he invent it while in Hawaii, or inspired by Hawaii? Why is it called Hawaiian if it's done by a Canadian?
1: Well, probably because of the pineapple, right? Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting right. picture. With, yeah, picture with a whole ring of fingers. So it's just yes. a,
0: an interesting marketing uh, marketing ploy. Yeah, I yeah. think
1: so. Sort of. The, yeah, he wanted to have the sweet and sour, sort of uh, sweet and savory. I guess he said it says here on on the Wikipedia, experimented with pineapple, ham, bacon, other toppings. Yeah,
2: getting hungry looking at all the pictures of. Pineapple. <laughs>
1: I a pizza I a <laughs> yeah I, 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 I quite enjoy it I'm not supposed to eat it anymore but yeah there you go all right um, which brings me to speaking of Canada uh, we, this this past weekend uh, NS North took place in Montreal and of course I was having huge fomo watching all the tweets go by because in spite of going to Hawaii for a family vacation I would really have liked to have gone to NS North as well It's one of my favorite conferences and it looks like a good time was had by all there's some inter- interesting comments about some of the talks, um, apparently, um dim some thinking um, Daniel Steinberg brought people to tears um, uh, ish bash was there James Thompson was speaking uh, some first-time speakers Namrata from the uh, Ray Warrick team was there speaking um, yeah good time was had by all it looks like and the the, um, the videos will be coming out uh, soon ish uh, there's also if you're interested there's they do a podcast where they speak to each of the speakers before um, they take to the stage there but uh, and there was some rumors of uh, recall like the, I think the so the original founders of Singleton uh, attended the, uh, the conference, so there was a call for maybe a resurgence or re- reinitialization of Singleton. Singleton with a C, of course, for Canada. Uh, yeah, so good uh, good on the boys. Uh, Dan Byers and Philippe uh, for putting on a great show. You've been to that one before, Jaime, right?
0: yeah it's been a while the uh, chateau montebello and True, yeah. i oh gosh i'm probably gonna get this wrong. was that 2015 did that happen somewhere yes 2015 because you guys had it in toronto in 2016 that's the one i didn't go to right
1: yeah yeah and they okay. took a break to have some some babies and stuff like that chris iduff was there doing he did a session i think he might have spoken as well um and uh guillermo rambo who we talked about before from i think what's he from he was speaking as well
0: uh multiple things uh, i think mac rumors is one and he also right. does uh, a few things Things right. with um, Johnson Dell, right?
1: Yes, yes. Podcasty things, yeah, yeah. It's a good uh, looks like a good uh, good conference. Looks really, really slick and professional from the screenshots I've seen. So we'll look forward to the videos, and we'll of course let the Lara fans know when those uh, videos become available for all of us to consume. All right. Well, I guess is it for another week. Hi, um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right, and Mark, if people want to get in touch with you,
2: Mark R at Smapsoft.com.
1: All right, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. Until next week, we'll
0: say bye-bye. Bye. bye bye bye
1: If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm
2: slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Forgot to talk about um, CarPlay. CarPlay was so I had two rental cars and because we had we were on two different islands for the trip. So the first one I had a General Motors vehicle with their implementation of CarPlay, um, kind of tied in with the ones OnStar I think they have on their their vehicles. And then the second one was a Nissan with CarPlay. In both cases, it was a hot mess trying to get that to work with you know navigation. And every time you turn it on, it would start playing. It plays your your music as if it's an iPod alphabetically as soon as you plug it in, which is really annoying, right? I don't know how many times they can listen to that same Vampire Weekend song um, every time we want to go listen to it. And, like, I don't understand why the audio, navigation audio and the uh, rest of the audio can't be sort of controlled to be at the same level, you know? So after a while we just gave up on on CarPlay and just, you know, navigated with the iPad sitting on Carol's lap kind of thing, right? So, or just uh, plugged into the USB port as opposed to plugging into the the, uh, CarPlay uh, enabled one. For a couple of days it took a while for, like, every time you plugged in. The, your phone into the USB port on for the carplay port it just didn't initialize car, carplay it was really really annoying Have you guys ever experienced carplay in the past or I
2: have not yeah, I'm kind of disappointed to hear that I've been having some issues with my the uh, you know the uh, the Bluetooth to my stereo from my iPhone in my car right now it's a, I had this really weird situation where every time I started the car it would revert back to the last uh, album that I started to play on my phone in the music app so it's really weird so i would get in the car i would set it to some new music listen for a while turn off the car turn on the car again later it would revert back to the, the, this thing that i chose to play on the phone a couple of weeks back and it would just keep going back to that and reverting back to that the only way i could get rid of that was to was to delete that album from my phone and now it's fine again
0: mm. oh wild yeah pretty weird my only experience with CarPlay is as a passenger when uh co-workers and i had to rent a gmc yukon so we could make our way back to seattle and so he was the uh, the driver and i was the navigator and i don't recall tim if we had the navigational audio on we were just playing like i was just like the dj playing you know music selections and everything so i I don't know that we encountered the like oh my gosh the apple maps is screaming at us sort of problem that it sounds like you're having
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it was screaming great it wasn't necessarily aimed at the right right direction but yeah
0: okay yeah
1: yeah it was it was yeah disappointing i mean i've had i've rented uh before and they were seamless in terms of their implementation and, and it's I don't know if it's like I think we talked about this before is that like the? Pro- I think the problem with CarPlay is how do you upgrade or update the CarPlay from one year to another like you're supposed to change your car every time you want to upgrade your CarPlay
0: you know? I thought it was mostly working as like a dumb terminal I don't know
1: it takes it from the OS in terms of how I, it yeah
0: I could be wrong but I, I distinctly got the d- impression it could be a wrong impression could be wrong but I got the impression that it was more like the original Watch kit stuff that like was more like an extended monitor onto oh, okay yeah makes, onto makes the sense. the car so I don't I don't think you would I'm not gonna say never have to upgrade but I don't think you'd have to do like oh man it sucks that I'm still stuck on a 2019 model when I sure would like a 2020 model right right I follow you okay I yeah think, that, that, makes that makes
1: sense that makes sense because because it, it doesn't seem like there's, uh, there's an upgrade path like we were talking Carol and I were talking we have a we have a you know, 2004 CRV which we just bought like two years ago as a user vehicle and we probably will keep it for you know 5 or 10 years and so we were talking about the fact I think we talked about this on the show before that there's one I think pioneer makes a aftermarket model you can pop in your car you know um so but like this last experience has been like why would i even bother like i like i like the the, the navigation the fact that you can you know like i usually have my phone propped up if i'm using you know apple maps or what have you and of course navigating in in um in hawaii was it was critical because it's comical to hear how siri put out some of the Streets because they were unpronounceable for most pace, right? Yeah, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting trying to navigate around um, two different experiences in terms of islands. I mean, Kau- uh, we were at Kauai first, and Kauai is a really small, lush, green. You know, everybody drives, you know, like one kilometer or sorry, one mile an hour above the uh, speed limit, so everybody's like just sort of you know pacing around. And then you get to um, to Maui, and everybody's like back to like driving like they do in the rest of America and Canada, where you know you're you're pushing the speed limit, and everybody's in a Hurry and, you know, it's quite a different landscape. um You know, those are the two islands I've experienced. I don't you, You've been to, I think you said you went to Oahu before, Mark, right?
2: Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's, I think Oahu and, and the Big Island are the populations are, are quite, quite big, right? In terms of number oh, of people there.
2: Definitely much bigger on Oahu. That's the biggest one. That's where Honolulu is. Right,
1: right. I think,
2: yeah, so that's. Really I, I don't deal, know which right? is second, if, if it's Maui or the Big Island. I, I'm not sure. Right. I have to say, I saw a news article about uh, some tourists who climbed over. Over a fence and fell into a crater or a volcano. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I definitely checked to see if it was you.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. Nick. It wouldn't have been me. It would have been Carol if anybody would, was going to leap okay. into a volcano, like an active volcano, or
2: no, no, it was a crater, a volcano crater. Oh, well, it was well, yeah. it was one that was active a year or so ago, but it's not currently active.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He, we did go- he
2: got hurt but he survived.
1: Yeah, we went went up to the top of Maui. Um, you know, there's an observation uh, sort of an observatory up there, which you you can see but you can't really go to. But yeah, we're ten thousand feet above uh, sea level. Um quite a bit, you know, like 20 or 30 degrees colder. I don't don't think it matters if you talk Fahrenheit or Celsius. you are definitely putting on long pants and sweatshirts and stuff up there. Um, but of course, you know, the the one day we didn't go, one day we didn't go, it was like it was super clear, but the rest of the time it, it all was draped in, in clouds, so it was very difficult to sort of see anything beyond what's in front of you. But it was interesting to be up there that high, kind of the air is quite different, and hmm. you know, yeah. Um, and, I, and I regretted not opening Black Box while I was up there, you know, Black Box oh, Puzzle, yeah, because yeah, cause there was a not, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. There's a reason why you want to open that app up there. <laughs> I mean, I've already completed that level, but it would have been fun just to see, right?
2: Yeah, real-time follow-up. Oahu has 950,000 people. Hawaii, the island, has 186,000 people, and Maui has 144,000 people. Wow. Kauai is hmm. next at 66,000 people. Oh,
1: wow. yeah. There you go. Interesting stuff, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, like, you know, the, the different, I mean, depending on the weather, different kind of waves and that kind of stuff in the uh, in the, uh, you know, in the oceans, stuff like that and uh, where we were in in um, maui there was uh, was like a fish crib that that was originally the fisher people had originally put up um and that was right beside our our condo and uh so yeah you can go in there and it was a little bit warmer than being in the ocean but you weren't getting knocked over by waves so it was good for kids to go in and swim around and a couple of sea sea turtles come in there didn't see a whole lot of wildlife we went to the aquarium on the last day because uh you know the big hawaii aquarium in in, which is in maui um yeah saw some sharks and stuff like that because we didn't get any no, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me back up. Okay. So, I don't know if you guys have ever been in Kauai or if you've ever heard about Kauai, but there was apparently some chickens, some roosters, and chickens that got loose at some point in, you know, I think in the 90s in some uh, bad weather they had there. So, it is overrun with uh, chickens, and they're all feral. They've mixed with the, the native birds and native chickens and, and the imported chickens. So, these lovely, you know, um, chickens, but like, you know, four o'clock in the morning, I think they start cawing you know doing the cockadoodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo uh, call mm. so they're there you they can get t-shirts up there that basically say you know uh, the national bird and wake-up alarm or wake-up call oh so yeah you you the first day we were there we were just like this screaming we here in the middle uh, middle of the morning I guess you know and and yeah you couldn't sleep through these chickens that are everywhere on Kauai. there's a few of them on on Maui but uh, yeah no, they were everywhere they were like uh, like squirrels in and in, in terms of the number of them right oh so yeah it was a, kind of a annoying you get some funny t-shirts too i can't can't repeat them on the air without getting our rating going up mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know if you guys had heard about the chickens in hawaii I or you've heard not. them
0: <laughs> I, I had not either and i thought i thought that uh chicken was kind of expensive and i'm like i feel like i can solve your problem <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking all <of> yeah. These, <laughs> these chickens that have overrun definitely we, we,
1: we wondered about that every time we had chicken on our, our meals you know <laughs> for sure lots well, of fun no that was fun
0: yeah Good. yeah well, the, the return I'm flight was yourself. horrible though hmm? what was that? i was just saying i'm glad, uh, glad you enjoyed yourself. And you were saying something about the flight
1: yeah well i mean going there was okay we had a bit of we had an eight hour layover because of the 787 rescheduling issue which we survived we went to vancouver and hung around there for a bit and then um and we uh, say
0: 787 you mean 737 max 8 yes okay So i'm not aware of anything going off the 87
1: oh 737 okay sorry yeah maybe yeah the max 8 one um yeah because apparently we weren't on those that particular flight or those planes but yeah apparently at west jet and a few other people had to reschedule all alert your flights. We got bumped to an earlier your flight. And, um, but on the way back, it was like, it was 12 hours of flying time, um, you know, with, with a 40 minute layover in Dallas. So that was a bit, you know, we left Wednesday afternoon and arrived this morning in Toronto. So at, this morning at noon. So it was, but we lost, you know, well, a six hour time difference of course. Right. But then we also lost the fact that we were in the air for 12 hours. So it was kind of a kind of brutal, just, just getting over it now. But yeah. Interesting. Interesting place to go. I don't know if I would go there on purpose.
0: That's about it. What else is going on? Did you guys, did it make national news, the, the crane, the construction crane that fell down here in Seattle?
2: Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. No, okay. I didn't
0: hear. Yeah, it, uh, the crane that was on um, on one of the new Google buildings that's still being uh, built, um, they're, they're still investigating exactly why it happened, but um, the crane was in the process of being uh, deconstructed because weather was going to get bad and it toppled over and unfortunately ended up killing four people. Um, mm. I think two construction workers and two two sort of passerbys on, um, what's normally a very, very busy street during the weekday. Um, it's still busy on, on weekends, which is when this happened. But, um, so the, the fatalities were fewer than they potentially could have been, uh, had it been like, you know, rush hour when, when all the Amazonians are coming out at the same time, um, or all the traffic on, on Mercer street in this in this case in uh, the heart of Seattle. But, uh, yeah, it was just like really, really shocking to see and seeing the video of it coming down just, uh, it was wild. And, uh, it's definitely been on the new since it's a local thing, it's been on the news every day this week. Just, just uh, crazy amount of people are looking at it from different angles of like, well, what do we do? Should we, should we have regulation that says you know these things need to be um, taken down during certain hours, and and or you know more street closures when these things are taken down? Um, are they going to have uh, supervisors or engineers of some sort who are uh, watching that things are being done a certain way? It's still really, really early because the investigation is still going on. I don't know what's going to happen with. It, but it definitely has people kind of uh twitchy about all of the cranes that we have up in the sky right now for downtown Seattle. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I could have sworn that Toronto was like the highest in North America though, in terms Remember of the number cranes? of cranes.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, I think you're right. There yeah. are there are a lot of them, very many of them. And I think that's a stat I've heard before too. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, call it a day. All right. Let you guys go. Talk to all you right. later. All right, talk to uh, you later. Oh wait, I just wait, I just look at this. Uh real quick real quick one. Um this man swallowed an AirPod, and it still worked after he pooped it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... When they say worked, they mean they cranked up the audio as high as it would go so they could hear it without putting it back yeah. in their ear?
1: Yes, of course, yes. And he says, Ben Su of, from Taiwan somehow managed to eat one of his AirPods while sleeping. Oh, okay. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, he says, uh, couldn't find one of the AirPods anywhere, but when he finally... Yeah, he's got a picture of it here. It looks a little stained to me, but hopefully cleaned it before... Oh, after washing the iPod, letting it dry out, he says. He still worked at, and had 41% battery. Mm. So, good to know. Good
0: I still think he should go... Buy buy some new ones
1: <laughs> forever unclean <laughs> exactly well yeah you're just gonna have some e coli issues there for sure anyway that's our parting thought for the day
0: <laughs> that should be a clip that's shared with the entire world there you go folks we've we set them up for you all right talk to you guys next week okay Bye-bye. bye